Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Reconciling Grace. On our panel today, as has been the case for most of our panels, we have Vicki Cundiff. Vicki is one of the staff pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Mick Wells is with us. Mick has been affiliated with Wells of Salvation Ministry since 1980. He's also one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. And the person who's going to be leading our discussion today is Steve Wilson. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He is a Christian author. He's a computer game programmer. Steve, you were talking to us before we started today that you're going to be getting this newest game out, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. But before that, I'm going to look forward to what you have for us today in our, in our lesson, which is a topic called Listening for God. Yes, Listening for God. That's always been... Uh, a really good, interesting topic to me is how does God speak to us? How should we be expecting God to speak to us? How can we be listening for that? And, uh, you know, the other question is, how can you be sure that God is talking to you and it's not your own ideas? It's not last night's pizza, you know? So we're going to look at some of those questions. And the first uh, passage that really gets into this um, in a really interesting way is First Samuel chapter 3. Mick, if you could read that for us. Yeah, I'll be reading verse 1 through 11. The word tells us the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I like how the Lord is persistent with Samuel. He doesn't give up. He keeps saying, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel, like us, is maybe confused about who's trying to talk to him. Where is this voice coming from? And so he goes and he finally has to learn 
No, this is God talking to you. And Eli says to him, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's what I think we want all of our lives to emulate is that saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And, you know, the Bible talks about a lot of ways that God talks to us. So I just want to go through some of the examples in the Bible and see some of the different ways that God communicates with people. The first one is, well, God can speak to people directly. Have we seen that in the Bible? We just read about it. Yeah, right. So God speaks directly to Samuel. Mm -hmm. And uh, another one that I was thinking about when when you were asking about this ahead of time was um, Abraham, Abram. Mm -hmm. He actually spoke to Abram before he became Abraham. That's another whole Bible study there about the adding of the H in there. But um, he spoke directly to Abram, Abraham. And one of the things that I find interesting there is, well, first of all, Samuel didn't recognize that it was the Lord. I found it even more interesting that the priest, Eli, you know, if you're a priest, you're supposed to know these things, right? It took Eli three times to realize that it was the Lord Mm -hmm. speaking to Samuel. And it said right there that the word of the Lord was rare in the very first verse that you read there, Mick. The word of the Lord was rare at that time. And one of the things that we were discussing before the mics went on here was how rare was it that um, Abram or Abraham heard the Lord. I was sharing that in a Bible study I was hearing recently that was led by a seminary professor of Old Testament that uh, it's very plausible that when Abram was hearing the word of the Lord directly from God, that it might not have been happening all the time. There might have been months or even years that went by uh, between times. Now, um, we don't know that for sure, but those are the times that the Bible records it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really think discernment <clears throat> is critical. The Bible said it was rare, granted. didn't say it was impossible. But I've run into people today that said, God doesn't do that anymore. Well, I'm not going to tie God's hands and say he can't. But it's, I think it's critical that when we hear uh, God speaking directly that we somehow know and can verify that it's God. And I want to give you, this isn't a scripture, Steve, but I wanted to share something I found because I believe this stuff happens out there as people attribute things to God. And this is from a report I found online. A news report says a Texas judge received a public warning after telling a jury to keep deliberating over a sex trafficking defendant because quote, God told him she was innocent. Hmm. And so when you hear things like that, every once in a while you will hear somebody say, God told me to do this, God told me to do that. So discernment, I think, is, is just as critical as recognizing that we don't tie the hands of God and say you don't communicate like that. I think key is, is to uh, be able to verify and confirm, yes, God, I'm listening, and, and yes, I'm convinced for whatever reason that that this is your voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And later in the program, we'll talk about, well, how can we know that it's God talking to us? Yeah, that's a good discussion. God also also spoke to Moses directly. We have different recordings of that. We have it written for us in the prophets. 
you know, from mm-hmm. Isaiah through the, the minor prophets, you know, of things that God had said to them that they recorded to speak directly. Uh, but as we were sitting here, I thought about him actually speaking from heaven directly when Jesus was being baptized, mm-hmm. you know, and there was John yeah. the Baptist, and they heard, they heard God speak that this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. Right. I was right. thinking, too, um, Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4 share uh, a perfect illustration of God talking directly, and this was the, uh, the man Saul who became the Apostle Paul. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So mm-hmm. it's a voice of God directly. Right, the voice of God through Jesus in that case. Mm-hmm. Right, so really we could say, well, anytime Jesus spoke, that was God speaking mm-hmm. directly to people. Okay, but sometimes God doesn't speak directly. Sometimes God speaks through angels. Can we remember a time when God spoke through angels? Probably the most common is the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary mm-hmm. if she was going to give birth to Jesus, basically. Right, um, right. But also Zechariah, you know, he came to Zechariah in the temple as well um, and spoke to him directly. And also in the story of Abraham, uh, the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar twice, mm-hmm. which is an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, this is all reaffirmed by the... Uh, commonly known scripture, Hebrews 13, 2, which tells us, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So Mm -hmm. the Bible tells us we will have these encounters, but it also says we won't know it Mm -hmm. uh, necessarily. So we may not be able to recognize those situations where angels are communicating something from God if we can't tell you know, who they are. Well, that happened in the Old Testament. I don't think that Lot knew that those were angels, um, at least at first, when he was showing hospitality to them. He found out later, but uh, he was just trying to offer hospitality to these visitors. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then sometimes God speaks through dreams and visions. Now, those are actually two different things, a dream and a vision, a vision being kind of a, a waking dream. Um but when has God spoke through dreams or visions? Are you talking biblically? Yes. This is all biblically right now. Well, there was Joseph, and then there was Joseph. Right. <laughs> there was the right. Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament Joseph. Mm-hmm. Well, we also have, if I could uh, share from Acts 10, verses 9 and 13, uh, a vision that Peter had. Right. Says about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. He wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. That's in the NIV here. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "Get up, Peter." kill, and eat. And I would consider all that communication came through a vision when Peter was in a trance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, of course, we've got in the book of Daniel, the, the last chapters of the book of Daniel, where Daniel's having apocalyptic visions. Uh, the book of Revelation is mostly vision. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And then we've got, speaking of prophets, God speaks 
through prophets. How does that work? Well, I was thinking that Hebrews starts out, the book of Hebrews starts out acknowledging, I don't know if this is dispensational or what, but Hebrews 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken us, to us by his Son, mm-hmm. whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, isn't most of the Old Testament written by the prophets? I mean, Isaiah, what he wrote was prophecy. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, a lot, <clears throat> a lot of that was um, Old Testament prophecy. So that was speaking directly through the prophets, not just verbally, but also through the written word. Mm-hmm. But then the difference is the Holy Spirit has now been given after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge, important thing for us to remember when we talk about how God speaks to us today. Mm-hmm. And right now, we do need to take a quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Reconciling Grace. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace. We're talking about Listening for God, listening for God, communicating with us. We've been going through the scriptures and thinking of ways that God talks to human beings. We said that God speaks to people directly. God speaks through angels. God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks through prophets. And now we're going to keep going uh, with some of the ways that God talks to us. God speaks through punishments. Can we think of a way when God spoke through a punishment in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Go to Nineveh. <laughs> okay, yeah. That was Jonah. Uh, I mean, that was God speaking through Jonah, kind Is of it? my 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 bad impersonation of, of God there. That's not the punishment, though, right? Right, when, when Jonah disobeyed. Jonah thought it was. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> true. When Jonah disobeyed, though, uh, he, he suffered all kinds of consequences. Mm-hmm, right. The book of Hosea, the prophet, God told the prophet Hosea to name his first three children particular names as a pronouncement of judgment, punishment, uh, upon the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess you'd have to consider the possibility that the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was a punishment for uh, misbehavior, if you will, in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of times in the Old Testament, especially, when God punishes, and then we see that again uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, where, again, God will unleash punishments. And I think some people might call it punishment. Um, It's not necessarily biblical, but it's referred to by Jesus as something that is going to happen not too long from after he walked the earth was when the temple and Jerusalem were destroyed, which happened historically in 70 A.D. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and then we have the story also in the New Testament of Ananias and Sapphira. Right. Mm-hmm. They were punished immediately and struck dead. He was and then she was for lying to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. example. Yeah. I, I know this isn't talked about a whole lot, but in the prophetic sections of Scripture, it indicates that there's uh, actually two Gog-Magog wars, and the first one where... 
Israel is attacked by a number of people that are identified in, in Scripture. It says that God's, Israel won't have to defeat them with their own armies. God's going to supernaturally come in and lay them to waste through raining down of fire, earthquakes, and all kinds of things. But the Scripture also tells us in doing so, he will turn the hearts of the Jewish people to understand Jesus was the Messiah, and indeed, our God Jehovah is the true God. And so he's going to communicate through a punishment to the enemies of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. God punishes for sin, and that's just a given. you know. And people don't realize that a lot of times that's for our good. But he has a purpose for it. He's trying to bring restoration, you know, where, like you're saying, to help other people uh, or even the people that are being punished, you know. So it, it has a purpose uh, because he's a holy God, so he does have to punish for sin, but he does want hope that people will repent and uh, bring about their salvation and their restoration to God. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting one. I've labeled it speaking through divinely ordained consequences. Um, Vicki, if you could read Numbers five sixteen through 22. And this is for a man when he thinks his wife has been adulterous. This is the instructions. The priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. After the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy, while he himself holds the bitter water That brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has had sexual relations with you, and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, then the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the Lord cause her to become accursed. Among your people, when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell, may this water that brings a curse enter your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Then the woman is to say, Amen, so be it. Okay, so just to kind of summarize this, the priest takes dust off the floor of the tabernacle, puts it in water, and if the woman has been unfaithful, then she gets this curse. If she hasn't been, nothing happens to her. Nothing special about the dust, just this is the divine consequences, um, this kind of interesting, odd way Mm. that God chose to work in this situation. Do you think that this happened often? I mean, I'm reminded of the current way that some people say to be able to tell if your children are lying or not, say, well, you know when you lie, your ears turn red, and that you can tell that they're lying because suddenly they'll start feeling their ears, you know, because they're afraid. I mean, I wonder how many women may have just said, no, 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 don't put that in this, don't put that in this, I don't want this to happen to me. Well, I was wondering, too, this whole section that Vicki read deals with consequences to an unfaithful wife. Is there, I don't recall, is there anything comparable toward a male who's unfaithful? Well, no, because back then a male couldn't be unfaithful. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, that was part of the... Even though he was. <laughs> yeah, I would say that was part of the culture of that day, the, um, the, the culture of that time. I'm not saying that made it right, but that's just the way it was. I mean, when we look in the, when we look in the scriptures and we look at the cultures of, of those times, 
Um, I, you know, I don't have a problem at all with, with for instance, uh, women preachers, and, and that's one of the reasons why we make sure to have Vicki here, because Vicki is a woman preacher. But at that time, um, women were thought of as no more basically than property. And that, again, that's not a right thing right. to do, so, but that's what it was. So if a man committed adultery, he wasn't committing adultery against his wife. The only way he would commit adultery is against the man uh, of whose wife he slept with, if that makes sense. So he's not sinning against either woman. He's sinning against the husband of the woman that he has sex with. And don't you think that this might be part of along the lines of what Jesus addressed when he was talking about divorce? He was saying, look, Moses let you divorce your wife because of hardness of hearts. Jesus kind of did away with that kind of, uh, uh, what do you want to call, male-dominating uh, society. He, he gave women worth. And so I think this shows that the culture was not necessarily the right way to do things back then, but we are reading these things from the Bible based on what the culture was, not based on what the culture should have been. I hope that makes sense. Right. Well, the only reason I ask is because we're talking about divinely ordained consequences. We're talking about something higher than culture. Mm -hmm. And I want, I just looking to be sure in my own mind that does their culture and these consequences, which just apply uh, to females, is that something, it's obviously embraced by the culture, but is it embraced by God to the point where there's an absence of such a, a consequence for unfaithful males? I don't think so. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, God is addressing, like, like you said, Pete, he's addressing the culture uh, of the whole thing because of how they live, because Jesus... You know, he just said it's because your hearts are hard that God gave Moses this about the divorce. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing here. You know, I don't think they would have done anything any different. He was addressing it not because he was trying to put women down. And being a woman, you know, I'm appreciative of that because I could read this and go, what? You're saying <laughs> you he know? was addressing it because that's what the way they the, made it. Yeah, that's the way because of culture. Mm -hmm. You know, not so much that God would have done things this way otherwise but just because their hearts were so hard in what they believed, mm, this was how. And maybe this is also, and I've read this before in this scriptures and, in, and others, how God was really trying to protect the woman so that there was rules to go by instead of them just going out and stoning her, doing whatever they right. would to kill sure. her. The husband hey, let's, suspects let's, something, so right. she's automatically guilty. And so that's why these instructions are there. Gotcha. It's right. more of a protection, even though I know as an early Christian, I'd read this stuff and go, what? You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it took a while for that to sink yeah. in. <laughs> well, I think the circumstances, too, um, has something to do with it. If we take it out of the realm of the male and female thing, where I think what, Steve, I think what you're getting at is that God can take circumstances and make them come out the right way. I'm thinking of, for instance, um, Jacob, when he was dealing with the, the flocks for Laban. And, you know, he says, I'll take all these ones that aren't black or white. I'll take the ones that are speckled. And so, you know, Laban tries to make sure that, that, that Joseph, or that, I'm sorry, that Jacob only gets a certain kind. And all of a sudden, all these that are being born are speckled. Right. Now, you know, I, I don't know what God did with the DNA of all these flocks or whatever, but God will use those circumstances to bring about his, his will. Right, and related to that, God speaks through nature all the time, 
Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So that verse is telling us, well, the world itself, the fact that there is a world, God is communicating us to us through that. Uh, but what are some more specific examples of God using nature? I was thinking that elsewhere in the New Testament, um, we're told that Elijah prayed that it would stop raining, and it didn't rain for, I believe it was three and a half years, and then Elijah prayed and the Lord made it rain again, but it, certainly God is communicating a message there to all concerned that he will use drought, you know, part of nature, to uh, communicate his will. Mm -hmm. I believe we can look at this in, in different ways. Um, one of the things is, I think, Steve, you just kind of mentioned it, when you just see the world, when you see the, the glorious majesty of, of maybe not just even the world, but creation, the stars, the heavens, um, the, the way that the, the stars move, the way that they twinkle at night, and they twinkle only because now we're told because of all the, uh, the atmospheric conditions and all that neat stuff that the scientists have told us. But whatever it might be, it's part of the, the, the beauty that God has created. And then when Mick brought that up about um, the drought and stuff, um, God can make nature act in ways that are contrary to what it should. I think about the um, parting of the Red Sea uh, for the Israelites. Uh, the Red Sea is not supposed to part like that, folks, but mm -hmm. um, sometimes things happen like that. God also made time stop. Joshua, right, they yeah. were battling against their enemy and, you know, the sun stopped. <laughs> the sun, you know, he prayed for the sun to stand still, and and so and and I really don't remember all the specifics of this. So I don't know if I should even bring it up, but that's been proven that that's actually happened scientifically, and there's been some time lapses, and so it wasn't only the sun uh, standing still in the sky, but it was also a time when a shadow moved backwards rather than moving forwards, and so when you take those two things, it made the scientific study come out that time is actually correct and had to use those two um periods of time is what you're saying where the sun stood still and the shadow went backwards and that made up for the difference uh that the scientists were trying to figure out uh how much time has actually elapsed is what you're saying interesting and of course we have the story of balaam's donkey uh, who talked and then we've got of course all of these things well a lot of these things can be Put into the category of miracles. We've got miracles throughout the Bible, God communicating with people, miracles of nature, miracles of healing. And then there's times where God said, well, cast lots, and let's see how that comes out. And God communicated through that. There's times when God speaks simply by his presence, simply by the Holy Spirit being with us and, and giving us um, feelings, communicating with our spirit directly, things that we couldn't even put into words necessarily. I think that's an important one when we're looking at it as Christians, because to me, that's where the whole difference was made. This is where the new covenant comes in, because until Pentecost, the Holy Spirit did not dwell within believers. Now the Holy Spirit does dwell within believers, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, speaks to us as believers 
um, in a much deeper way, in a much more discernible way. Not saying that we're always going to do it perfectly, not saying we're always going to understand it perfectly. But to me, that is a key, key difference between the Old Testament, where the Word of God was rare, and the way it is now. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we know that God also speaks through Scripture. Uh, he spoke through Scripture back then, but um, certainly now we have the full canon. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament for God to speak to us through that. You know what? I think we're about out of time here, Steve-O. I yeah. know we want to get through some more things, so we're going to keep these mics rolling. So for Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Vicki Cundiff, this is Pete Vecchi. We'll see you next time on Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.